Welcome to All Teens Everywhere. Today I'm here with Leroy, Margarita, Jordan, Malaysia, Tyler, and I'm Andrea, the host of the All Teens Everywhere podcast. Today we're going to be discussing Martin Luther King Day in a commemorative episode for his legacy and his work with civil rights and nonviolent protests. So to kind of start us off, I'm going to talk about the history of Martin Luther King Day and kind of how um, the bill got introduced to Congress and how we got here today. So after his passing, a lot of um, motions were made by the civil rights movement to kind of encourage Congress to take actions to honor Dr. King's legacy because he did do a lot of um, restorative works in civil rights to um, kind of like amplify black voices during the civil rights movement. But Congress was very receptive to this since during that time, racism was still very rampant. So in 1979, Stevie Wonder actually had a petition to um, encourage Congress to pass a bill making the third Monday of the month um, Martin Luther King Day that sadly kind of pushed it but didn't necessarily encourage Congress fully to pass that bill until 1983 where that bill was introduced and Congress did pass it. The first MLK Day was celebrated in 1986, just three years after the passing of that bill. So kind of to transition to Jordan, what is um, the importance of Martin Luther King Day today and kind of how are we honoring his legacy with this holiday? We're celebrating Martin Luther King's day by honoring his contribution to civil rights movement, advocating a racial equality and justice to the nonviolent means. Okay, perfect. So now Leroy? MLK's legacy is very important because it bleeds through the facets of our education system, our politics, and most importantly, our orientations to change. His nonviolent protests and his ability to enact civil disobedience were key changers. Were was a key change in the way we think about um, like creating um, change in our political system. MLK's legacies rings through volumes will um, that will always be ingrained in our history, in every successful colored person because he has created a foundation for every colored person to be as successful as they can be. Because as hard as you work, no, gotta reap those benefits. Go ahead. So of course we are a youth-focused podcast. So Malaysia and Tyler, could you kind of tell us about how MLK and the holiday kind of like impacts youth in their daily lives? Okay, um, in my opinion, the a major way Martin Luther King played a part in our lives, at, our, my life at least as a child was learning the I have a dream speech as a kid. Many teachers always bring it up like for oratorical contests, like they just try to involve him in so many ways, especially during Black History Month. <clears throat> well, I think that his work impacts our life every day. Like even in our schools, he just, uh, he worked to get schools desegregated and integrated. And I feel like even without his work, schools today wouldn't even be the same. We, I wouldn't have some of the friends I have today without his work. And we could also say that a pivotal point or a pivotal movement throughout his or throughout the civil rights movement was him being um, nonviolent and trying to still get his point across. Because, you know, you see many advocates now are like in general that choose violence or choose the faster way out instead of instead, unlike Martin Luther King, he just tried, kept trying, kept trying and just 
motivated people to and just motivated people and allowed more and more people to join and help him continue to the legacy and continue to move forward. So now kind of like transitioning to that sort of legacy that Malaysia mentioned, Margarita, what do you think that we can learn from that legacy that Martin Luther King established during his lifetime? I feel we can learn from his legacy that though we are all different in many ways, we all have the same opportunities and still have the same um, goals in life to really succeed and to um, be heard. Um, there may be difficult times, but knowing that we can always push through it, like ha everything has been pushed through, um, we can still reach the goals. So now that we kind of like previewed what the holiday is, what it means, and what legacy was been established. Now we're going to move to the real focus of this podcast episode, which is a two-on-two -two debate, arguing whether that system that Martin Luther King worked so hard to reform can still be reformed today, or should that system be completely scrapped and we start from new, and the benefits that that has for the people that are negatively impacted by the system. will have two sides a neg and a pro or an af and a neg sorry um could you could the pro side please introduce themselves hello my name is Leroy Tanfu district 9's commissioner youth commissioner hello my name is brother Maranabe 10th grade so probably gonna be a youth commissioner someday <laughs> <laughs> okay period and the neg um, my name is Adaya Amechi and my name is Autumn. I'm also in 10th grade. So the goal of this debate is to discuss the best methods to carry Dr. King's legacy and his vision for long-term societal change. But the question itself is, is it beneficial for people of color to function within a system and work to change it or create their own system from scratch? So obviously we're going to start off with the AF or the pro going first and the NAG responding to the AF's arguments. Okay. Um, we think that is, is, it is beneficial for people of color to function within a system and work to change it. Um, MLK, you know, the person that we're talking about within this debate, is someone who is a proud proponent of that, using the system to specifically perpetuate you know, some type of liberation for black people in our current system. We think that any facet of trying to deviate from that is bad because then it kind of like takes away all the work MLK has worked like to do, right? So our ability to sit here together in a diverse community, our ability to move about the community as normal people of society is good. And we think that removing that ability for us to do that is uniquely bad because it erases all the work that MLK has worked to do. And that's not only for MLK, that's for civil rights activists all over the United States. And also we can't discount revolution started by the ideas and the ideals that MLK started um, and wanted to perpetuate within, you know, our current society, right? So things like civil disobedience wasn't something that was started here, but something that Mahatma Gandhi started. And that's something that MLK wanted to um, kind of mirror here and it worked, right? So not only is this kind of like us operating outside of this system in some way erasing all of the work that MLK has done, but it's also erasing some of the work that revolutions have been built on. Do you want to answer? Yeah, sure. sure. Okay, you can answer. 
I believe that the system that we currently have today has been used to, per se, um, as a way to expand blackness, but in a way that makes white people feel comfortable within that system. At the end of the day, if we want to create a system that has first being able to explain like a pro-black identity and be able to create a system where you can be pro-black, the system that Malcolm X um, created has a powerful recognition recognition throughout society, but we don't see a real pro-black identity and pro-black community within this system. We see in a system where that white people can be comfortable in what we have instead of seeing a system where black people can flourish in the society that we have because we still see the same problems of human rights still being abused for black people and having um, black people not have that same recognition as um, their white counterparts do. And I'd like to expound on that idea. Um, also to, re not Rashid, to respond to what Leroy said earlier. Um, one of, another one of the key facets of Martin Luther King's ideology was equity. But like we're arguing and like Autumn just said, it's, it's kind of hard to fully function in a system that can be called equitable when the system was built to work against us. So if we're truly going to create an environment where we can thrive, like she said, fully in our black identity, even in the space now, in the way that we're speaking with each other, in the way that this conversation is set up, the way the certain standards and rules of how we're to conduct ourselves and how we're allowed to express ourselves and how we feel are inherently white in the way that they are presented and in the way, just like debate itself is an inherently white sport in the way that, oh, and um, can we cut that out? <laughs> sorry, uh, I said something crazy. Um, I'm so sorry. That's okay. Let's start over. No, you got this. <laughs> no, you got this. In the way that we are told to express ourselves and how we are uh, permitted to engage in these types of activities are usually founded under an inherently white structures. And so if we're going to function within these systems equitably, as in on the same level and stature as everybody else, we have to create a system that was created to be equitable, not one that we have to work against yeah. or within. Yeah. So as in a system that we can flourish because of rather than despite of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the society that we live in now, there have been uh, people of color that have one flourish and have to also open the doors for other people such as ourselves to flourish as well. For example, right, like in our own community, even in the system that we have today, we have young like black activists that genuinely want to continue and strive on and the system does not work against them in any way to um, basic, to like stop them from doing what they're doing. Now, all of us here like can advocate for something and we can freely and openly go for it and, and like, sh like work hard for it and get somewhere, right? Like the system that we have now works perfectly fine for everybody else. If it works for them, why doesn't it work for us? D even though there is a inherently like white I don't know what you want to call that, a white like basis of what uh, we should be doing. We have still adapted, right, and we're modernized. Like, we're, we don't have to be bald anymore. We can wear our froze. We don't have to uh, dress a certain way. We can express ourselves in a way that reflects us as people, but we can still be professional enough to get the things that we need. Additionally, there are a few things that we've, in some sense, forgotten. Number one, Martin Luther King 
came in here and literally talked about how we should operate in this system. I talked about how trying to operate outside of that system is uniquely bad because it erases all the work he's done. This went unanswered. My argument is that in every world where there is no, like Martin Luther, Martin Luther King, there are no civil rights activists, what it does is it creates this idea where black people have just kind of just like existed just to kind of in some way exist. My argument is that number one, it should not be true. We gotta work for what we got, which you know isn't always good, but we think that working for what we got is good because it adds more value to what our sometimes our emancipation. So my question is, how do we or why are we settling? Why do we have to settle? I'd say we are not settling. I think the status quo is something that's always changing and is always moving. Us having this like discussion right now is not settling. It's talking about a situation that is centered around where black people stand, right? So this isn't this isn't settling at all. And us kind of like looking at the status quo as something that is settling discounts all the civil rights activists that are still alive today that are still doing things today. But we can have new civil rights activists coming up and still doing new work instead of, I wouldn't say per se that Martin Luther King was settling within the system, mm -hmm. but he was doing nothing to change how black people were perceived in that said system. Black people are still not seen as, um, as the same as their white counterparts as we see in today's society in that we can have, we can't discredit what um, past civil rights activists have done, but we also have to think about the future civil rights activists that have are that have the ability to make that change and create new systems. But we also see that Martin Luther King's work doesn't show everything that we, it only shows a way that we can work within the system, but why can't we ourselves make a new system that we can flourish? It's only as a way that Martin Luther King states as only being and settling within the system that has already been created, that has been grown and created to be against us, instead of creating a system that can actually be grown and be used, that can be about us and creating the said, as I've said earlier, a pro-black identity and how we can be ourselves in a space that um, black people are there to encourage each other. Because we see black people who are higher up, we don't always see them pulling up other black people to do the best and get to the positions that they are at currently in society. So if we want to have this pro-black identity, this system has made people seeing being higher up in society as the achievement, but they're not bringing other black people up in society. Exactly, but I think that that is still a problem that exists in a all-black society. You can see anti-blackness as being perpetuated by, you know, Let's say, like, it, whenever there's an African v African Af African American, or African v you know Afro European within the Afro diaspora, right? African diaspora, there is still that same type of violence. There is still some type of hierarchy. So I think that it's a little non-unique to say that, like, in a world where it's only pro-black, that pro-blackness is being perpetuated and anti-blackness doesn't still exist. Yeah, I feel like those. I feel like you've almost conflated two arguments here because. If we're talking about a theor the theoretical world that is pro-black or only black, for example, you can't say that the anti-blackness or the diaspora wars, like you said, where they will have where there is still that disconnect. If it is an only black world or pro-black world, 
then you wouldn't those issues wouldn't be the same because the anti-blackness we see current within the status quo is as a result of whiteness and or colonialism because the colorism that we have within our communities the caste systems that we have within our communities the texturism all the other issues that we see that pit us against each other are there for us to pit each other against each other but the whole reason that we have these problems is so we're working we're not working together against the problems that oppress all of us which is like we said the colonialism the whiteness and another thing that i would like to build upon that autumn said earlier about that um representation and how black people are perceived as a result of martin luther king jr's work i would like to mention the fact that when we have these conversations about martin luther king jr and then also just on a national level when we see who is the venerated civil rights leader and who we like to who we like to praise and re result, oh, um, I mean, just the difference in between how Malcolm X is portrayed in the media in the past and during his time and now versus how Martin Luther King Jr. is portrayed and during his time and now, I feel like that says something about how, like I said earlier, how we're allowed to express ourselves and how we're allowed to advocate for ourselves in a way that is palatable to the masses, which again is the system that we're working within. And so while, and then you also said that if our side is uniquely erasing all of the work that Martin Luther King Jr. has done, however, with even if you don't work within the system, and even if we did create a new system theoretically and scrap everything that we had before, that doesn't mean that the advancements that have been made, I mean, ideologically, throughout the nation, legislation won't just disappear just because we create new systems that better serve us. So I feel like we can build upon it in a way by drawing, like we can still use the ideology of civil disobedience. We can still think about equity and nonviolence, but create systems that work for us and not against us. Like those ideologies don't have to disappear just because we create new systems. So I have a question for both sides, but mainly for this side because it has a point. Um, this is a point that has been predominantly brought up by um, the con slash nag side. So why do you believe that MLK is portrayed differently in the media than Malcolm X? And why do you think that MLK decided to work within the system? And do you think that contributes to the portrayal of him in the media? Yeah, I believe that majority of times we celebrate MLK more because of his use of nonviolent and don't wanting to per se encourage this for the younger generation, the future generations that are coming up. But Malcolm X's philosophy should not be ignored because it has a way that can be encouraged. Um, and they too have worked together and have discussed um, when they were um, previously still alive, but their philosophies are so different of a nonviolent way, but also a way that can see as um, Malcolm X's um, black nationalist um, ideology that can be used to say that we should have a pro-black identity because our identity has basically been taken from us from the beginning that we haven't been able to, especially with black Americans in today's world, not being able to have their full identity, but encouraging like, we should be able to understand where we're from, who we are, but Malcolm, but Martin Luther King rather per se, even though his ideology was good saying nonviolent is good, but you're saying within a system where we don't really truly know who we are. And having that connection of knowing who you are in your own community is better instead of settling into a system where you might not even be um, accounted for or cared about in that same system because of the color of your skin. Right. Um, <clears throat> go ahead. Okay, and just to also answer the question, 
Um, again, when she when she talked about um, the black nationalism, I feel like that's one of the biggest um, dis distinctions that we make when we talk about Martin Luther King Jr. and the um, Ma Malcolm X. Because when we think about the Black Panther Party, for example, the Black Panther Party was labeled a terrorist organization by the United States government. But mind you, the KKK is not, but that's another thing. But the, what the Black Panther Party was actually doing, despite it being portrayed as incredibly violent in black militia and that to be all that it's doing, it also had um, after school programs for kids, underprivileged kids in the community. They had breakfast programs for a lot of the inner city kids that couldn't afford it. And they had, were doing a lot of inner city reform on their own that was shut down by the government because it was directly causing change, a positive change within the communities that they were trying to suppress. And when we look at that, when Martin Luther King, as we know, worked closely with the government, worked closely with the president, and so I feel like it's easier for them to portray it as, yes, this is, this is the best way to do it because it's on our terms, and not necessarily that it's the best way to do it or it's the only way to do it, but it's because it's a way that they can control and not a way that they can say, well, we can decide whether or not they have these breakfast programs. We can decide whether or not these kids are going to be in after-school programs or incarcerated. You know, so all of these things were assist were systemic, and the reasons that they're portrayed the way they are are systemic, and these are the things that we want to re reverse. That is the whole point of creating these new systems, because the point of creating new systems is we don't have to break every single systemic barrier that has already been set in place. We can create things from the beginning where we don't have these mountains to climb to make every single little modicum of change like it's set up so we can improve from the beginning and not at the end and so i feel like that's another reason why they're portrayed so differently while i believe that looking into past events are very helpful for our community i also believe that we should be looking into the present in our generation and how it affects us today for example the black like what happened with the black panther party encouraged a lot of uh, school systems to open up a lot of things for students to get free lunch right that wouldn't have existed if the system doesn't like wouldn't portray itself how it does now. Uh, also, the system itself, uh, like the best way to put it is, it put us with like a, it made us feel more like a community than anything else because we were put into a system that was against us. So like the more that we hung around each other, the more that we felt as if we were family, right? When we're like when I'm in a group with like all black people, I feel like I'm at home, right? That's how it, that's how it is. That's how it should be. Right. In a system that like perpetuates uh, of, like whiteness, as you say, the way that we are like within each other, it's very, I don't know, how, the best way to explain it, it, it's, it feels like home, if you want to add something to it. Can I ask a question? Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Well, I have a question, so you go first. Okay. So, additionally, we also have to talk about the crackdown, right? What the government, what? what governments, the crackdown is what governments do to organizations that are, you know, actually for a good cause or, or like things like the Black Panther Party, right? Um, and what happened to the Black Panther Party could be something that could happen to an all pro-black community as well. Our argument is that creating a pro-black community could literally fall like as, like could literally fall like the Black Panther Party did. The United States government will do something to interject that. Our argument is that working within the system and creating those systems that are pro-black within that system can in some way create a net benefit where we can still have the same benefits that you're talking about 
and avoid crackdown from the government. I disagree. I'm so sorry. I disagree. Because why do we have to change if we're trying to help our community? Somebody has to do it. The thing is that I'm not saying that we should change. I'm saying that that change could still occur within the system without the system trying to break down the organizations that we've already created. But I feel like we should have used Martin Luther King as a stepping stone instead of just, I, I honestly, I feel like we stopped. When he made the change, when he did this, when he allowed us to basically become together, I feel like that's where we stopped. I don't think, I, I, I think that, I think that maybe the change has been less incremental. I don't think that we have stopped though. I think that like with Martin Luther King's change, with that big change that he, that he did, it happened within the system. Breaking away from that system now is literally stopping what he did. If we break away, I feel like there still could be a change on a positive side. I don't feel, I feel like we shouldn't just sit here, like <clears throat> we shouldn't just sit here and just let this, like certain st things happen. I feel like, I don't know, it's just like, you you know, like, yeah, I, know. I have a question for you, so you mentioned, like, Malaysia, you bring up a great point, but you also mentioned that there's still change kind of ongoing, so could you kind of, like, provide us with some examples? Mm -hmm. Um, We could talk about change that has, uh, that, that has been created within the current system, like, today. We can talk about um, what Amar just talked about, which is, like, creating school lunches for, like, uh, like creating uh, breakfasts and things like that for students and people of color that need it the most. Uh, we can talk about um, welfare benefits. Benefits have been given to people that are, you know, that are impoverished. And at the end of the day, because, you know, uh, at the end of the day, it does end up being our minorities. We can talk about um, like creating like institutions for black people, HBCUs, all of these things that are uh, very important and critical to like current change in the status quo. And I think that those are things that are pro-black within a system. I think that, like, us, like, recognizing that, okay, yes, anti-blackness happens in the system, right? Sure, we, we know that happens, and us knowing that the anti-blackness is gonna hit us is good, because we know it's happening in the system. But in a all-black world, we think that because we are all black, anti-blackness does not exist. And then when it hits us like a truck, we're like, whoa, what, what just happened? So I think that it's better to know your enemy than to not know. Okay, so... I have a question about that, but then I also, I guess the questions are kind of similar. Mm -hmm. So earlier you talked about how working within the system c makes us stronger as a community, or working against something makes us stronger as a community. So I was just wondering if you feel like the struggle, as we like to call it, or making it out is essential to blackness. Um, I'd say that blackness mm -hmm. is a it's a fully feeling. It's it's a it's a fully feeling thing, and I think that blackness has taken the uh, the mantle of suffering. Yes, it's true that it is. We are ontologically suffering. Yes, it's true. But I think that also that still exists in an all black world. Ontological suffering exists in both of these worlds because it's the state of being is you being is you being suffering. So in being an all black world, we would be socially dead. Yes, but what okay. I'm saying, what I'm what? saying. Yeah, we'll get there. What I'm saying, number one, is that us understanding that it's us against them is good because we know who us is. But I'm saying whenever it's all of us and then there's, you know, there, there's someone in there that's trying to, to offset that, now there's an issue. I think that the struggle is what brings us together, right? Whenever 
whenever you you're walking down the street and you you see a guy go like this, you're like, but that's you're, what I'm saying. Yeah. That's because like, of the struggle. That's not because it's an all black community. You're right. I do agree with that statement. But why do we have to struggle? Like, why well, is it always the minorities? Like, why can't we like switch think, it up? So the thing is, the, the thing is, right? Okay. The way we're thinking about the way we're thinking about these things is we're thinking about their world as if something that will just happen, right? As if as if we're gonna forget about everything that's just happened, right? What I'm what what I'm saying is that struggle has already happened. We've already struggled. All of this struggling for what? I hope so. We can stop struggling. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like to stop struggling within the system. But when have we ever stopped? We we uh, keep struggling. Like you gotta like literally, you have to look at it. The school system has tried to fail us. Everything that we built on, we that we were building on, has always yeah. came down the wrong way. But our argument is that that struggle still happens in a all black system. We That's what we're trying to say. How do we fix okay. it? Literally, yeah, exactly. I, don't. I feel like every time we get ahead, there's always a next barrier. Like every time we get a stepping stone, every time we go a mile, Something there's always a barrier to set us back. You guys are not hearing what I'm. I'm saying that that is still happening. <laughs> An all black system, but that's a non unique argument. If you argument. argue that it's a non unique argument, the reason that there's always a next struggle or a next barrier for us to overcome is because everything that we struggle against is systemic. So, the reason that, even though if we make it, the reason that I'll use, ooh, can I use Dallas gerrymandering system as an example? Yeah. Okay. The reason that below 35 and above 35 looks so different school-wise, housing-wise, is because we know when the districts were redlined that only certain areas who were, were having funding poured into those areas, only white people were allowed to live there. And the areas where minorities were sectioned off were purposefully put there so they would receive less funding. Okay. And we know property tax leads to education, and education leads to the value, like the housing value leads to the value of the things around it. And that's why the education in certain areas is the way it is, which leads to the incarceration rates in those areas. All of these issues are interconnected because they are systemic issues. And so how can you argue that we'll always still have that next barrier to overcome if we create a system that wasn't built with those barriers in mind? Okay, I have a but, question. So okay. why is it that those barriers won't still exist in a pro-black world? We're not if, specifically saying it's a pro-black world. It's just a pro-black identity. We can have a pro-black world. That's a great idea. But we're saying that within your world, we continue with these same struggles of the same line and these same barriers. That is making no change. We're taking the same steps and we're taking, we might take two steps forward, we're, we're taking like five steps back within your own world. Like we, you say that we provide housing, that um, you were able to provide food, housing to the black community, but we've seen housing systems for black communities like the projects not having well livable conditions for black people. But what does that look like in a pro-black world? It, I think that... Where, okay, if we're talking about a pro-black world, right, let's think about a pro-black Dallas. How would that be gerrymandered? Okay, my argument is that pro-black identity mm -hmm. doesn't mean that material things happen. You haven't specifically given a reason why in a pro-black identity, identif like identifiable world, those things are solved. Because you have, number one, mm -hmm. you, there's a conceded argument here that anti-blackness will still exist in a pro-black world. Which means okay. that all of these struggles will still happen. But I asked you, how can, if anti-blackness is a result of the colonial ideas pushed on us, okay, let me put it like this. You and I are both African, mm. right? Now, when we think of what our culture was like pre-colonialism versus post-colonialism, when we look at these examples of caste system and colorism and texturism and all those other issues within the diaspora that we talked about, 
that we experience now, we obviously had kingdoms and systems of government set up before colonialism was introduced, before the patriarchy was introduced to our cultures. We had ways that our governments functioned, systems, as we're talking about, that we created ourselves. And we'd had, we didn't have a lot of the issues that we had post-colonialism. So if we're arguing, I guess when we think about what the closest to what a pro-black world would look like is pre-colonial Africa. What our systems, what our kingdoms, what our, our governments looked like before that. And we, the issues of stereotypes, yeah, you might have a caste system based off of your wealth or your title, but it wasn't, it wasn't the same type of discrimination that we're seeing as a result of our race. Okay, so then it comes to a question of what are you defending? Because number one, you're defending a world that still has the same black people that are suffering the same, like, like the same issues. Look, in this world, all of us have experienced some type of anti-black racism, right? Yes. All of this was as a result of colonialism. Take all of us that have already experienced that, we have all this history, we have all this knowledge about all of this happening, and put us in a pro-black world where those things are still perpetuated. What you're is arguing is a pre-colonial system that never experienced colonialism, which means that those, those things would not be sustained. But we have. We so now, still continue to let colonialism hold us back. That's the problem that you, we might have like these sufferings. Can I interject real quick and ask a question? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so y'all keep talking about issues in a pro-black world. How do y'all think inner issues with the, in, within the black community would affect the pro-black world too? Because I know colorism, texturism, all got brought up. How would that affect a, a pro-black community too? A pro-black world? To answer that. Well, you, yeah, I think, I think um, opinions of like colorism started from just Western ideology of like their own personal skin tones and how being lighter has always been seen as beautiful by because that's what everyone else has thought because as maps have shown Europe being the center of everything they have been thought of being the highest um, part in the social hierarchy so colorism as a whole has started from this ideology that being lighter is beautiful and that that itself is harmful. And instead in per se a pro-black world or with a pro-black identity within this world, we should be able to be proud of our own skin color, not from the color of it, how dark, how light we are, but just being proud of who we are. Not saying with the same ideology of having the colonialism um, ideology to push on us by saying our hair is better straighter, um, we're better when we're lighter. Like, having the same ideology that they, we continue because of the colonialism that has um, impacted us. Right. Oh, I was going to answer your question by, if we're talking about this pro-black world, there is, um, like in the result of like how those anti-black issues that we have or we face as a community would affect us then, there, when we think about, um, like for example, the critique Enheimer, basically the impact of that, right, is a world where there's all black people, right? And obviously, I'm, I'm not gonna say that, but <laughs> over time, over time in a world where there, there, something happens and there's only black people left, over time the generations will go. And the generations that remembered colorism, that remembered texturism, that remembered all of the hierarchical things that afflicted us through the anti-blackness will cease to exist because there will be a generation that does not remember what it was like to be essentially oppressed in those ways. Now I'm not saying that there wouldn't be harms just based on human race being the human race. Obviously there would still be 
things that would affect us just as humans, but it wouldn't be on the basis of the things that we're arguing against right now. So that would be my answer to that. Okay, so my question is, so this idea of like a pro-black world, what does that mean about Hispanics? What does that mean about other, you know, racial identities? Well, that's a good question. And I would also like to mention that you were the one that came up with the idea of the pro-black world. <laughs> you never said that. What is a pro-black world to you? So um, this idea that we came up with, uh, that I had a discussion with Adaya with before, uh, was just essentially a world that is for black identity, a world that kind of ejects away from whiteness. So all the colonial ideas of like, oh, being lighter is better, or you know, black hair isn't isn't accepted here, or even like actual structures in which black people are being like, like are, are being uh, violated in, are removed because they have removed the critical problem which they have posited is whiteness. So to end, oh. yeah. uh, okay, so. Growing up, I always thought of like, um, what's the right word? Huh? <laughs> no, okay, wait, wait, wait. I don't know. Okay, so like, always, like you said, where does it leave the other races? The other races, races yeah. Yeah, yeah that's okay, what that's what, okay, look, look, okay, so we got some words. Okay, so where does that leave them? I feel like they're, low-key, I feel like they're a part of the black community My thing because is, we've been through the same struggles oh. some struggles are just i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> hold on hold on hold on hold on don't get me okay but not all struggles are the same but i feel like some of the like things we've learned through school like i feel like some part of them have i don't like you know, yeah i've been through some of the i wanted same. to comment that you mentioned that you mentioned like all the other races um there's also like Hispanic students, I mean, sorry, said students, but yeah. Hispanic people, Asian people who are mixed yeah. with um, black people, obviously. So there name. is, it's like a melting pot of different cultures. You can be Afro-Latino, yeah. you can be um, Afro-Eurasian. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of like different identities that are also included into this pro-black, pro-black world that Leroy mm-hmm. was talking about. So kind of just like what I, I was, I was gonna there. actually respond to that. But I would like to also respond to what you said, because um, this is something that me and Laura have also talked about in terms of um, pan-Africanism, in in terms of how it's often presented within the diaspora, Mm -hmm. in terms of we should just all be together, we should just all be one, all speak Swahili and sing Kumbaya or whatever. You know how they like like to say. Uh But that's also harmful in ways to us as even though we are connected by a lot of things our intersectionality is also what strengthens us as a community because i also feel like the pan-africanism and all of us should be the same and speak the same language and do the same things is the erasure of culture that we experienced as black people at the belgian um, the belgian conference you know redrawing the lines of where africa is and putting tribes together that weren't initially together and make what oh sorry yeah, doesn't that like answer. concede into what we're trying to say? Well, because I haven't finished where I was going with it. Wow. Uh-oh. But based off what you said, uh-huh. um, doesn't that go exactly with the affirmative is saying by us like being in not like in a all like pro black like state, doesn't that it perpetuate us to like when the problem happens we don't know what to do, right? Mm-hmm. Also I wanna add on to like the whole um, socially ac- acceptable thing, right? 
you're looking at it from a past like perspective right now there's like six or seven different hairstyles that i'm seeing just from the black people like that are here right you know what i'm talking about you know what i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> okay so okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right but the way that we have adapted to like the conditions that we are in right like not you guys don't have to like straighten your hair out we don't have to be bald like that's what you you like that statement so i love that statement to add on to that right mm -hmm. you have, are defending a world that is separated from you know whiteness right you're defending a world that 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 has a system of blackness on its own but even the whole generalization of blackness and its idea of that, that is literally your point which means that number one you do generalize africa Number two, you do generalize cultures and mixes everyone together, which perpetuates the same anti-blackness that we're trying to stop. While in a world where we're using the system, we do understand those differences. We, those differences do perpetuate things that are bad, in which, we, in which our differences are seen that are as things that are bad. But I think that understanding that those differences exist are way better than just generalizing. Right. Yeah, like, but like I was going to get to about how intersectionality strengthens the diaspora. Because like I like I was like I was getting there. When within a pro black world, first off the only identifying or like necessary factor for blackness is being black. So within that you have queer people, you have neurodivergent people, you have women, you have all types of people from all like uh, Andrea yes. said, you have mixed people. You have all types of people with all types of different backgrounds, cultural experiences. Like, these people are all still black. So to function as a community does not mean, community itself does not mean I'm the same as you and we work together because of that. But we have a unifying factor that brings us together and all of our differences are what add to that. Now, like you said, intersectionality within the status quo also provides other ways of discrimination because of that intersectionality. Misogynoir is a thing because of sexism perpetuated against black women specifically. So when we're talking about what a pro-black world looks like, this is obviously, okay, and then again, building off of the ideologies of Martin Luther King, equity, right? Not everybody having the same things, but everybody having what they need. So with a pro-black system, right, where you have all these different types of people. This is a system where everybody's, well, obviously everybody's needs won't be met, but every nobody is specifically built against. It's a system where the goal is for us to build each other up as best as we can, but despite whatever might be different about us. Mm -hmm. And so again, this pro-blackness, functioning independent of whiteness, does not mean now that the needs in, of Asian communities and the needs of Hispanic communities should not be met. Because obviously, equity means, oh, yeah? Yes, but I think that that pushes a lot of things aside. Because what it does is, number one, it pushes, like, realism aside. We all here have been thinking very different things. Well, maybe not Malaysia, Jordan, and you, because y'all are just jobbing together. But all of us think very, very different things. And all of these things may be anti-black. All of these things may be, you know, pro-black, right? And your assumptions are making assumptions that everybody in this in this pro-black identity world will be thinking the same things. Our argument is that in the current system, 
us understanding that we think that we think different things and that there could be enemies is a good thing because now we know what our enemy is we know what we're working towards which puts together communities whenever we put we, we put people together and then we kind of think about your whole you know solvency world of you know everybody understanding their differences cool but that still makes assumptions that everybody's going to be thinking you the know, same so thing. Oh, yeah, no, go ahead. Right. We're obviously human. At some point in time, right, even as, like, us being black, we'd end up, like, pitting each other against each other for some way, shape, or form, right? A system, the system that we already have now is basically that, but in another, like, in another form, right? Like, there could be a, a dark skins versus light skins thing, right? We have that currently. That's a result of colorism. <laughs> yeah. 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 We talked about yeah. that. Yeah. But, but colorism but, is a result of colonialism. I think your idea of we all have the same enemy and that all black people have the same enemy is incorrect in that ideology because we have uh or well okay. Whoa, we don't, I did not say no, we no, have no. the same enemy. No, I just said, said like, that understanding <laughs> that there are differences and understanding that there exists partiality in which there are enemies is good. Your world, the way you have described a pro-black world is the problem because now it has described a world that is all good. But we we said <laughs> you brought up that pro-black world. Who was we? We said that since you y'all put the you guys are together. Defending. Okay, we well, said trying to figure out what a pro pro-black world. You guys world are was. defending that. Well, can you we, both define what y'all think a pro-black world is? He, they already did. They so already did. If we want to go in a system of realism, like you say, a pro creating a pro-black world, right, will mm. not be possible mm. with the systems that we already have in place. But that is not to say that we cannot create new systems that are pro-black for the generations moving forward, regardless of what we already have. So while it is true that, because if the argument is whether or not we should work within the system or create new systems, right? What's okay. the net benefit? What, why is- Can, the can entire I get some I'm trying to see if we can see it here. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what I'm saying, right? What my question here is, mm -hmm. what's the net benefit? Well, the net benefit is obviously like we talked about before, when we work within the current system, we take two steps forward and we take five steps back. And what's so to say that that doesn't happen in your system? Within a system that is built so we work because of it and not despite it. Because in our current system, we have to constantly, like, you know, we get the talk when we're younger that we're going to have to work three, three times harder than our counterparts to get just as far. Yeah. So if we create a system where it's built to make us thrive, to help us, as it does for certain people, because that is how it is set up for to build up certain people. If we create that system for ourselves, we're able to take those five steps forward without having anything already built to hold us back. That is the point, that is the net benefit. Because I argue that we can get farther quicker if we have nothing holding us back or if we created it. So the things holding us back are no longer a factor in the systems that we create. But what does this mean, Hope? Oh. Really quickly, I think you just automatically went to like, we have a pro-black world, like it's just black people. But we are saying, like the entire purpose of this debate is, should we continue with the system that we have or change the system that we currently have? And we see like evidently that the system that we have is built against us. Like she said, like we are taking two steps back and we, ha we are taking two steps forward, so five steps back. Why do we continue with the same rhetoric where we can't just be taking the five step forward, the two steps forward. Why do we have to be moving back each time we try to make a difference? So uh, my question here is like, how does this affect current activists, like the people whom we look up to now? 
Well, that's actually a good point, especially if we look about how working within the system has worked for us beforehand. If we think of, um, when, like when we talk about the NAACP, for example, right? Let's, you know, we all know about Rosa Parks and Claudette Colvin and everything, but mm -hmm. the NAACP, their whole purpose was to make black people more palatable for the white audiences, so they would be more willing to accept ideas like integration, so they'd be more willing to accept things like legislation, right? But when we have, for example, Claudette Colvin was 15, dark-skinned and pregnant when she first sat down on the bus, but the NAACP didn't champion her because she had nappy hair, because she was dark-skinned, because she was 15 and pregnant. So they planted Rosa Parks, who was light-skinned, palatable, easier for white audiences to digest. So when we see, when we work within the system, obviously we're not really working for ourselves, because if we have to work on their own terms, it's never going to be for us, because their system was not created for us. So if we're going to work on the terms of what they deem to be acceptable, obviously not everybody's going to be included in that. And that, we can't argue, is pro-black. Okay, but does this system defend one that is separated away from white societies, where soci white societies and other races do not exist? Or does it uh, defend one that it's with white societies, or white societies? Um, it's a yes um, or no question. It's just, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're technically saying that we should not have like a white society be gone, but we're saying that we should not continue to. We're not saying that white society okay. should be gone. We should say that we can. We should not be able to continue within their same system that pushes us back. And to answer the other previous question about like activists, we have seen activists encourage a pro-black identity that are from like our current time mm -hmm. of day. That we've seen activists who have said we should be able to know where we're from and our identity and ourselves and be able to be together as a group. But we're not saying that white or back to your question about how like white society we're not saying it's going to be gone we should say mm -hmm. we should not continue to be living in a society where we are not the norm as mm -hmm. in that society mm -hmm. but that's our argument exactly our argument is that these societies will fall to crackdown that the united states federal government do what the united states federal government will do and break those societies down your system has already been tried black panther party is a system that existed for black people. But it we're was, in a new age of activism I get from that. the Black Panther But party. it is for black people, right? Still felt a crackdown. There are a bunch of organizations that did that. I think that operating within the system kind of keeps us away from that, from, from like that shed and still gives the same benefits you're talking about. We can still uh, perpetuate pro-black identity within the system. It's about acting and doing that action without like getting hit by other white other societies that deem these systems as uh, either you know communist or deems these systems as uh, systems that are made to destroy other races, but rather systems that are made to just prop up our own things so that we can avoid crackdown from the United States. Okay, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but you do mention crackdown. You mentioned the United States government. So, what system are you discussing that? Uh, black people operate under, mm -hmm. isn't it the government? Or are you referencing another system that you want to work with then? I'm saying that we can create systems with, like we can create systems with the government, but not exactly the government in itself. But what, so, is, the current gover what is the current system that you're fighting to work within? I think that- What are you using as the center of your argument? I'd say that like systems that, okay, so the, argument about the NAACP, very good. Yes, it is true that the NAACP 
has done things like that. But you said that it's a, it's, you know, we're in the future world. So I think that organizations like the NAACP, uh, organizations that are made for blackness, um, organizations that are like in schools, like the BSU, all these organizations don't operate outside of the government. They operate inside the system. And I think that they're good because they kind of offset the crackdown from trying to operate outside the system and then it just dying. And if we're going to speak on present day, right, morally, like socially, black people are considered as an equal. You don't walk outside and you don't see, like, for example, as a teenager, you don't walk outside, you don't see another black person, you're like, oh, like, this person's not, this, this black, this black person is not cool because they're black, right? As people, we're the same, right? This generation at least understands that. So how are we going to move into a, like, for example, in a black world, in a pro-black world, how is the next generation going to be affected by your plan? I don't know, girly, because people call me the N-word on the internet. So mm. how would it say that within the current generation that racism has been solved? And also, even if we talk about in our interpersonal interactions, right, and say that we've done better as a generation to create an equitable environment or a more informed environment, still within the system, it still is built against us. The red line districts are still, 35, under 35 still looks the way that it does, even though it was sectioned years and years ago. The schools that some of us go to versus the schools that others of us go to still look differently for a reason. Because of the property value and the everything that was assigned years and years ago, these things still affect us. It's like saying that the effects of segregation and the effects of slavery don't affect us in the current day. Within legislation, within incarceration, we still see that we are disproportionately incarcerated within the prison industrial complex for a reason. We still see that our rates of education are not the same for a reason. The, our rates of income, even though the black woman is the most highly educated person in America, we still make the least amount of money on a white man's dollar. So just because we can say that, oh, I can walk outside and not get lynched, does not mean that the problems, systemic problems, problems that come from working within the system have not disappeared just because time has passed. I'm and not. Sorry, we, go ahead. Yeah, we also see within our personal lives, we're all debaters, and we've seen in our own debate community mm -hmm. how few of us we are, that we have to create black debater collectives, which are good in themselves, but we are, once again, at tournaments where there's probably three other people there and I more than definitely know every last one of their names because we don't have this community or this system that doesn't want to bring other people in or other black debaters in and that this system that we are in not even outside of this big system but in our real life system is not at okay he's working for some reason and I don't know like <laughs> but like this system is not relevant to bringing other black people in and encouraging ourselves in this network, even though within the debate community we see black debaters running pro-black arguments, right. but these arguments are extremely talking about how we should be celebrating our identity, like about how like we have Afro-pessimism, Afro-futurism, how our world, or especially Afro-futurism, how our world should be looking like in the future with a pro-black identity. Okay, we're not saying that we can't, we're saying that there still exists. We can. There still exists pro-blackness within the system, and what we're asking the question that we started with is: Is it beneficial for people of color to function within a system and work to change it? You have not specifically highlighted a reason why we cannot change it. You have not highlighted a reason why models 
or like pro-black things and models under the system uniquely bad, you've only specifically fronted a system that is pro-black, that like, like perpetuates pro-black identity. We have given you a bunch of reasons for why all of these arguments about like this system being good still has flaws in it. You've conceded them. What we're saying is that working within that system is specifically good. Unless you can posit at least a five-point reason for why systems that are that are working within the government are bad, then I think we're winning here. I got okay. you on five points on why the system wait. that we currently live in is bad, but... But considering the fact that, first off, I'm not flowing, so I might not have every single argument that we've said so far, considering this is a discussion and not a winning and losing debate. Am I flowing? You You're making yes. this okay, like a let's, <laughs> let's talk about arguments that you've conceded. You've conceded to the point, the fact that working within the system that we have will always have drawbacks because it was created to do that. So no matter what we do, we will always have that five steps back in front of you us. You have the same because, problem. Because if we are working, like you said, like we said, in a theoretical pro-black world, right, where I said with, from the impact of Enheimer over the generations that the anti-black problems that we face currently will die out with those generations. Even though as humans we will still encounter problems, those unique problems as a result of anti-blackness will cease to exist if anti-blackness as a concept dies out with those generations. So that's one. Two, dang, I don't remember. Whoa. But, Whoa. That but, means that you're defending a system that discounts every other race. I no, have a, a pro-black world is not an all-black world. A pro-black world is one where we are able to function without anti-black ideology and anti-black systems placed against us. A pro-black world, for example, a pro-white world, hmm, let me not say that, but a world where white people are allowed to thrive does not, is not, uh, shouldn't be equated with a world where black people have to suffer. And that's the whole point of this argument here, is just because we have systems in place that favor other people does not mean that we should not be able to, okay, let me put it like this. If we're arguing against systems that are pro-black, then why are we favoring systems that are pro-white? We aren't favoring systems but that, that are pro-white. But that is the system that we're you're saying, working under. We're saying that systems that are pro-white are things that will bring down systems that are that like exist outside of them. We're saying that whenever we bring those systems within, like, no. oh, this whole pro-white identity are things that can mm. literally like dodge those problems. So nope. we should leave those how they are. Hmm? So we should. So those should be able. I didn't to say we should leave are. them how they are. I, I am saying that we should work to change it. That's the argument that we're defending. That we can work to change it. You haven't specifically given a so reason. So you're arguing why that's for bad. reform. Yes. Okay. Let's get back. Now to that it. we think about it. How would we know that the like like pro white as you say like pro white um, establishment would like one first like accept this pro blackness or however you say it and second also like I don't know the best way to explain it. What is it? How do we know if we're not gonna fail again? Right, exactly. There have like how he said, like he said before, there have been programs that are pulled back in the past that have failed, right? Because of the government, though, you have to right, think but, of that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They tore us down. Yes, but I'm saying that working with them avoids our ability, uh, avoids their ability to tear right. us down as a if separate country. Okay. Well, wait, wait, okay. wait. Okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. You can <laughs> if, but even if we're talking about Martin Luther Jr. 
before he did everything that he did, what he was doing was actively working against the system. Black people couldn't vote forever. Black people couldn't, like, he wouldn't have been able to make the legislation that he did. Exactly, working, working within to the system. It. But the okay, yeah. if we're talking about system reform, right? If we want to go reform, I mean, there's lots of examples of, of, of systems that are built against us that we've tried to reform. But if you try to, the problem with the system is that it is not broken. It is working the way it is intended to. So you're not reforming something that's working improperly. It's working the way it's supposed to. So by trying to reform it, you're not really reforming it because it's doing its job. That's the point of making a system that doesn't that mean that that system change. can't change, though. But so how has it changed? That's a, Besides yeah. legislation, how has the system, I don't mean the 1965 Civil Rights Act, which was good, but I'm saying that is within the system. How has the system itself changed? We're saying, like, those ideologies, like, um, black people being able to um, vote, started because the system did not allow black people to vote. And outside of the system, we created the possibilities where black people could vote. And it interconnects on how... We created this new system on, we should be protesting on how black people should be able to vote. Um, about, like... And what system was that? But some like, of what... We were in a system, originally, where only white um, white men can vote. Exactly. You see you see how you keep saying, but we, we were. We were in a system. We were but in we a system. But we created. Are we in that system? But to get there, for example, sit-ins were illegal. That was working against the system. The marches were illegal. That was working against the system. That doesn't mean Just creating a different system, though. Which means that can I something? you're not defending your side. Because, okay, I'll, I'll let's add that there were, it may have been that way in the past, and it changed now, but we still see those effects to that day. You look at places like Georgia, their last few elections with Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp, he, uh, and all the uh, misinformation and stuff going on, and not even that, but uh, the... Um, the names and the, uh, the names and the registration stuff like that. All that stuff that happens is still, all that stuff that happens is still stuff we see today. That legacy in today's world in the system. Yes, and that same system will kill systems that are. But how do we? Okay, that goes back to the point. How are we going to change that? Why do black people and black systems that are black reforms keep getting shot down? How, how have do we, we changed it? That's it. Are we oh, okay? So, That's okay, what actually, she asked let's you, okay. She let's asked you let's how actually okay. Let's let's start from like being. Let's let's start. Have has the system changed? Yes, to a certain extent. Uh, has the system changed? The ideology changed. is perpetuated by. But the just because has the system changed? Just because the system changed doesn't mean it, got, it can get any better. Just doesn't we just because the system changed doesn't mean it got better. Oh, okay, so. So a system, the same system that couldn't allow black people to vote and now does, hasn't gotten better. The same system that didn't allow black minorities to go to prestigious colleges and now they do, it has that not changed? Shut down. Yeah, and we saying. still see the effects of voter stuff like voting today. Stuff with voting registration, I know, IDs and stuff, they're requiring IDs and stuff like that in Georgia. Like, uh, something with the... Uh, Registration. I can't remember off the top of my head, but you know, you know. Okay, she knows. But stuff like that today, that we still see this impact today. Okay, so does change take time? It does you take time. You can't learn African American studies. But period. Even if it's college board, and that's like a national curriculum. Does change take time? It does, but you have to look at how long we. Why is there always a but? But this is the net benefit that we're talking about. This is what we're talking about. What this. 
is an example of us taking two steps forward and five steps back. Like, yeah, we can vote now, but they're still passing legislation to make it difficult for black people and minorities to vote in the South, in the areas that need it the most. Mm -hmm. Still, like I said in Florida, you can't learn African-American studies. That is taking five steps back. You're highlighting a lot of harms, but you're not highlighting reasons for why creating its own system is good. Because you don't have the five steps back. That's why I'm talking about the net benefit is greater when you have your own system, because you're not working against a system that's built against you. And aren't you guys a thousand arguing? steps back is killing whole people. But aren't on, you guys like, the arguing Black that Party. we should be changing the system within our own system? We're saying that we should be creating a new system that we don't have to continue with living in the system that Black people are still suffering with. Yeah, and we're saying that that system can be completely removed. Okay, let's talk about craft Leroy, In terms of net benefits, you discussed um, kind of like MLK is first working against the government and now he decided to work uh, with in tandem with the government because that was the only way that he was able to do what he did. So Leroy, what, or what were the net benefits of MLK working with the government and why would he decide to do that if there are so many pros to just creating his own system? Because I think that MLK understood that trying to work outside of that system falls to like the literal perpetuation of what he's doing to look bad, right? Let's look at the Black Panther Party. The Black Panther Party is seen as a, what, terrorist organization, right? That's what we said. Because it was an attempt to work outside of the system. MLK's work from, like, thinking about ways that, you know, black, like, there can be black liberation outside of that system and then heading into that system to change that is good. Because now he, he's not falling from crackdown, right? Mm -hmm. he was not, he's not, like, being affected by crackdown because he's working within that system. Yes, there were setbacks. Yes, it was difficult. But I think that the whole system could have been completely shut down if we were working outside of it. You're highlighting the, an idea that, oh, we can take two steps, five steps forward, but how are we gonna take steps if the person isn't alive in the first place? So, what? okay, okay, well, two things if we're gonna talk about crackdown, right? How how does your crackdown argument relevant in our theoretical argument of the pro black world? Because white systems still exist. Okay. But if the point of the pro black world is that we have systems in place that ben directly benefit us, working independently of white systems, then again, how do white? This is not we're not talking about the status quo now. We're talking about the theoretical pro black world how if all of our systems are working independently of each other, obviously that's not saying that we don't interact with each other as, as individuals, like as we do now, but having systems where individuals are not being torn down for their differences because we have systems that function for us, where does crackdown affect us then? I think that stuff? it still affects us then because um, in you defending, actually, I think before I answer this question, in you defending your, in, like a pro-black world, does that mean that like all of us and none of us remember the status quo? I mean, are we doing an argument where the world has always been like this or creating our status quo to become a pro-black world? It's your model. Okay, let me think about this. I feel like In terms of, if we're going to do model comparison and what we have in actual, and benefit comparison, then it would have to be a world where we don't remember. Because in that, 
in terms of that, anti-black rhetoric would still affect our systems and they wouldn't be able to be fully pro-black mm -hmm. within a world where, now this is not to say that ideologies of equity and of peaceful disobedience would cease to exist because obviously there will still be issues that we would have to combat just as people because there will always be a hierarchy of some sort. But in terms of removing anti-black specifically rhetoric, then why are you shaking your head? Because that means that you're defending a utopia and that doesn't allow us to have any ground in this round. Okay. This is a fairness issue. I, no, I, I have a question too. So it's, it's, it's a utopian idea for us to ever have a pro-black system? No, it's a utopian idea for you to, see, to say that we just erase everything that we, that we know up until now. That includes MLK. And then I, like we create said, a pro-black world. That's MLK what you said. MLK did not create equity. MLK did not create civil disobedience. He so does that mean that what he did was bad? Like, does that mean that I what didn't he, say he that, did but I'm saying if MLK himself did not exist, the ideas of equity and civil disobedience would all would not cease to exist. They would they would still be possible, and it would, people, somebody else would still be able to think about it, think of it. And but what I'm saying here is that even if you wanna you wanna go fairness right and say that it's not possible for us to have our own our own anti-black systems that are not that are not affected by whiteness or anti-black rhetoric, right? Even if we work alongside the system that we currently have, right? Then how would you like us, if you're saying that that's utopian and that's impossible for you to refute, then how are we supposed to refute crackdown if there's always gonna be a white man to come and shut down what we're doing? Yeah. Can we interject? Okay, go ahead. Okay, so do y'all think that it would ever be a system or where we can have two systems and they still work together? That's what I'm trying to advocate yeah. for. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's, the whole point of this. My thing is, right, the way we're talking about this the way we're talking about these systems is the issue. Us thinking that these systems will just exist while forgetting everything that's already happened is the problem. I feel like that's everything that's happened is our foundation. We just have to have two people or two different arguments or two different systems build up on what we already know to create what we both want. Yeah, but we think, think that that foundation is what's literally going to cause crackdown for one of them, right? I feel what like it that, shouldn't. I feel like we should build upon it. I know, Us but what, what does that mean about the black society? We are basically saying that the system you're encouraging is against us in the end. Like, we might say that we can do something different, but at the end of the story, despite all the debate, we have seen back-to-back -back evidence that the system that we are in currently is always and will always be against us if we do nothing. We're we can not, say there's going to be change, but when do we see this change? We're not saying that this system is not against us. Yes, it is. But we're saying that we should work to change it Ooh, and not okay. just discount from it. Because yeah. And I have a question. Uh, how can y'all get black people to trust this system when the system has been known like to fail us? You know, even when black people get ahead like uh the tulsa massacre do you know the black yes, wall street yes. even when black people are able to have systems to help them thrive the government sets us back the government that system that we work in sets set us back okay. how are we able to trust that system when it's when, known to fill us whenever we think about preponderance and we think about a like chance analysis it gets better if we think about every time we have tried to create societies that are black on their own to perpetuate pro-blackness, they always fail. But whenever we try to work within the system, like MLK, Martin Luther King, the person we're talking about today, 
they have worked. I think that yes, there are there are there are instances in which our movements within the system did not work. But I'm saying that even if there's a chance that they do work in the system because they have, then we should take it rather than a comp rather than the other model where they're like every time it's created, it's always cracked down on. <clears throat> like I, I, I'm just trying to live for another question. day, guys. So if your argument is that we can reform the system enough. It, like, let me try to understand. We can reform the system enough to make it so that it is pro-black in a way, or that black people are able to thrive under that. Wouldn't you argue that that is creating a new system? Because if a system is created to be anti-black, reforming it and changing it enough to be pro-black is an entirely new system. So what are you arguing for? We're arguing to... So we're arguing... The, the reason why there's a difference between these two models mm -hmm. is because you have said that we should change these, these systems should completely be different now. What we're saying is that working to change it at all is good. So we're on but the same By the page. time you get to that end goal, that net benefit of all these things that can come about from reforming the system, it's like when we look at policing, for example, right? Policing was created for slave, um, when we look at it was created for slave catching, mm -hmm. right? So that's another example of a system not being broken, but functioning in the way it is designed to. In modern day, we see it, it's used to fund the prison industrial complex in mm -hmm. certain areas, right? Yes. So when we look at policing as we know it, right? We can reform it, we can create these 12 sub stiff subsystems, but then you also look at community reform and um, putting funding into you know, after school programs, other things for you know minority kids to do after school rather than you know being outside being in the street things that lower crime preventatively rather than reaction re reactionary right mm -hmm. and so these are examples of ways that you can still have the benefits of a system rather than it being the same system because no matter what we do to the initial system it's still going to do what it does because that's what it's for mm -hmm. so if you change it in that way it's 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 unrecognizable you can't argue that that's the same system okay and that's why I chose this topic, because we've completely gone in a circle. We have isolated that changing a system can still create a system in which all of us function in a pro-black world. We can change it to a pro-black world, which is good and is why we are here to debate today. Thank you for your time. So kind of just to leave our audiences with some lasting words of each side, we'd just like to kind of sum up how they really feel about this topic and some lasting impact that they want to leave on the listeners. Starting with the con or the neg. I think a pro-black society and a pro-black identity is necessary for black people as to understand who we are. <clears throat> and the system that we currently have today has been built and created to be against us, but we have to be able to grow and understand that the system that we are working within is not for us, but having our own system creates a way that we can be ourselves and having our identity flourish within that. And the pro? Okay, well, you know, from this, right, we're looking at it from more of a realistic standard, right? The system that we are in, it's a system that we're probably going to be in for a long time. Meaning that changing the system that we're in currently, right, will help out future generations to not have to go through what we 
not we, but what the past has gone through, right? So that, like, they don't have to struggle. And to end it, um, I think that uh, this uh, debate has been very circular. And it is circular for a reason. Because in reality, both of these sides are not different. Working to change the system is the process in which we create a program, black world. So in reality, we've been defending the same system. It's just that one system happens faster. And I think that we should take the realistic approach like MLK did. Thank you so much for tuning in into the Martin Luther King Jr. special, We Hope We Ate. Thank you. We ate that up. Ate that up. <laughs> ate that up.